Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WIS Politics and WIS Business Podcasts. You're listening to WIS Business, the podcast, Wisconsin's business news source. Now, here's your host. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Mo here for WIS Business, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by DJ Vogel, a cybersecurity expert and founding partner of GhostScale. DJ, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Alex, thanks for having me. So first off, before we get into uh, some of the really interesting questions here, why don't you just give us a little information on, on GhostScale to set the stage for our talk? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably first, it would help to understand where we came from. Um, we had started a dedicated cybersecurity practice back in 2005 when cybersecurity was still in its infancy. And uh, we grew uh, our team and did a lot of good for the industry. Since then, we've gotten back together as ghost scale because we saw there was a gap in the market, especially locally here in Wisconsin for cybersecurity services. So if you look at our team, we're a group of seasoned veterans. All of our leaders have 20 plus years of experience. We've been there, we've seen it, uh, and we're focused on strictly uh, professional services. We're not reselling anybody's tools. We're not um, you know, biased to a particular vendor. We consider ourselves vendor agnostic. We're just advocates for our clients, helping them meet security requirements and ultimately boosting their security posture. Sounds great. And what kind of clients uh, do you take on? We take on uh, corporate clients and public entities. Um, anybody who has some sort of information data that they want to protect. And those industries vary now. It used to be that uh, just regulated industries were interested in security services. And that's expanded from there because what we've seen over the recent years is that uh, cybersecurity threats don't target any specific one industry anymore. So industries that previously were not regulated, such as manufacturing, all of a sudden find that they're a little bit behind some of those more regulated industries like financial institutions and they're interested in bolstering their own posture. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay, DJ, so let's talk about some of the top trends or developments that you're paying attention to in the cybersecurity space. And I thought we could start with a, a really big one, artificial intelligence. How are you thinking about this, this rapidly evolving technology in the context of, of your field? So artificial intelligence impacts organizations in a multiple uh, different ways in terms of where we're concerned about it from a security perspective. One of the largest concerns for AI and security is what type of information that we're feeding into uh, these uh, learning modules and um, how threat actors can retrieve that information out of it. Um, the, the larger the organization, uh, oftentimes what we see is the more they're paying attention to that and how they can use or how they can um, um, protect their organizations from artificial intelligence. Uh, some of the language models out there are allowing independent shops to set up their own models where staff can use and uh, limit the exposure of that sensitive data going into the models. I see. Interesting. And you mentioned protecting from AI as well as using it in new ways as well. Are some of these sort of threat actors in the cybersecurity space finding ways to leverage this technology in ways that haven't been done before? Well, it, it goes into two forms there, right? You have perhaps less technical, less skilled threat actors that are 
um, using AI to bolster their own attack skills. There, it's it's a lot easier for a scammer to be able to write a phishing email these days, even without a mastery of the English language, by having a machine, an AI, uh, do it for them. Um, so writing a script, writing attack code, writing a threat is is all of a sudden much more attainable to uh, people that aren't necessarily as skilled in the art. Gotcha. Interesting. And then aside from AI, can you touch on any other top trends or really new developments in the field that you're paying attention to that our business listeners might uh, want to be aware of? Yeah, for sure. So if we think about how security has evolved over the past several years, uh, we need to think back of what we evolved from. So a decade or two ago, we needed to educate the industry on what good security was. So we had to describe what should be included as part of an IT audit or what should be part of a penetration test. And um, our businesses are more familiar with that now. They're comfortable with these topics. They've seen them. It's been around for a while. Um, in yesteryears, we saw new compliance standards were being written to protect our infrastructure from cyber attacks. Uh, and compliance ultimately drove security budgets. That's why organizations spent money on security. In recent years, there's been this shift, uh, of course, from corporate offices and on-premise networks to entire companies where everybody is remote, perhaps at a coffee shop or a co-working space. And now all of our technology is up in the cloud. Um, some of the current security frameworks like NIST or CIS uh, aren't really as good a fit anymore because they're too big and bulky and they ultimately prioritize the wrong controls. So from our world, security is about doing the basics well, and we still see that companies aren't. A lot of the foundational or expensive controllators are just misconfigured or used poorly. And what we see as this ongoing trend is how do you address that? Um, we have the experience of the traditional security compliance vendors, you know, in terms of the service offerings that we've provided in the past, and we're able to learn off of that. You saw me present at MSOE about the importance of uh, incident response and incident response retainers and being ready when something goes bump in the middle of the night. So besides that advisory work, one of the areas that uh, we're focusing on is a service that we call Stack Attack. It's like adversarial simulation testing, um, which uh, you use attack tools and techniques and procedures to recreate an attack based off of real world documented threats that are out there. and it takes it and uh, it makes it a little bit better. Um, what we've seen is that organizations, businesses in particular, have spent a lot of money on different security tools, uh, but oftentimes those are band-aids, right? We're putting money and we think that we're secure because we've spent uh, a lot of money on a product, um, but we're seeing just as many breaches as we always have. So sometimes organizations don't know how to ask questions or what questions to ask. For example, um, did I spend the right amount of money on tool X or I pay a monthly fee to service provider Y? What are these tools doing for me? Are they keeping me protected? Have I not received any security alerts because I have a strong defense or have I not received any alerts because the attacks are not being caught? Gotcha. Really interesting, DJ. Glad to hear your perspective on that. And as you just mentioned, you spoke at an event last fall at the Cybersecurity Summit here in Milwaukee. And for listeners who want to know more about that, I'll have a link below to check out our coverage. Um, but at that event, you you urged attendees to really be proactive in guarding their data and develop a plan for 
how to respond in, in case of a, a cyber attack or other breach. This question alone could easily be like a full podcast interview, but I, I just wanted to ask while I gotcha, any quick tips you can offer listeners for, I guess, how to be a smart guardian of their, their business data? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is ultimately what we're paying attention to here, where we, um, we, we talk about security in forms of layers. And as part of this testing, we want to systematically test those layers to see what's working and what's not. So when we're talking about protecting our information, are the tools logging what they should be logging? Are there alerts being sent as expected? Is our IT staff, uh, our team actually uh, receiving and responding to those alerts? Is the training that we have for our staff effective? So we, we feel very strongly that that's the next wave of testing here because it's based on the breaches that we're seeing. It's based on the breaches that we've reviewed and it, it fills the, the gap that's left by that traditional security testing. So DJ, really what's, what's next um, over the horizon for, for business leaders and others who may be really trying to pay attention and stay on the cutting edge of this cybersecurity landscape? I think we have to think about where attackers go to get the money, what data is easily monetized. And if we think about the early 2000s, we recognize that payment cards uh, were, were being targeted. Uh, the introduction of new standards like the payment card industry, data security standard, and new technologies changed and made it harder for the bad guys to make money from that data. So the tax started to change. We saw the advent of different types of malware, ransomware in particular, where businesses, public entities, individuals even, were fully unprepared for it. Threat actors have their own ecosystem. Crime was organized around it. And it became cheaper for these organizations to just pay the ransoms because they weren't protected from them. Uh, like our earlier days, we adapted. We put better defenses in place, response playbooks, and now we've seen ransomware payments are on the decline now compared to prior years. So we ask ourselves, will threat actors pivot to other ways to make money? And where else can they make money? Are there industries like manufacturing that are less regulated? Traditionally, it was easier to monetize a payment card than it was a social security number. I could take that payment card and go to a store and actually make a purchase versus what do I do with somebody's nine digit social security number? The tides have started to turn right? We've got the layers in place to protect this information that was previously targeted in terms of how attackers can find other lower hanging fruit. So when does the smash and grab targets of opportunity where I can get thousands or tens of thousands of individuals information become more focused targets of choice? Uh, perhaps we might see an increase in the consumer bank account takeover fraud. Uh, up until recently, it was pretty low because the worst I could do was go in and steal money through something like bill pay or account transfer and then use money mules. But now there's so many banking institutions that are using other payment services like Zelle or Venmo that just with a few quick clicks, I can easily transfer that money and do instant transfers out of my account. So as security protagonists, we now become more paranoid uh, about compromises of our own banking accounts and that lower hanging fruit all of a sudden becomes more achievable, more attainable for uh, our threat actors. Gotcha. Interesting. Certainly something to keep an eye on going forward. You've been listening to Wisp Business, the podcast. Now stay tuned for a word from our sponsor.
Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WIS Politics and WIS Business Podcast. Did you know that almost 80% of UW-Madison's in-state students return to live and work in Wisconsin in the years after graduation? And almost half of all UW-Madison alumni are current Wisconsin residents. That's just one way we're driving our economy forward. UW-Madison is working for Wisconsin.